We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Client Horror Stories. And I'm very excited to jump right into today's uh, story with Stephanie Schwab. Stephanie, good to chat again. Hey, Morgan. So good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, since our course. But uh, um, so you just gave me a little sneak peek of the story and I'm so excited to hear it. I'm already getting shivers for what's going to happen. Let's let's jump right in. Uh, what's what's the background and tell us the story. Great. So yeah, I will. Not so great. Um, it, this <laughs> not is not so great story. Yeah, not so great story. This is a story that is about managing clients and also managing partners. And um, so I um, I run a marketing agency. We're 11 years old, mm-hmm. digital marketing. Uh, we've been virtual the in our entire lives. So COVID was kind of like before oh. it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool, right? We've been using Zoom like since the very beginning. Um, and we, um, maybe six, seven, eight years ago, probably about eight years ago, um, I was, you know, we were in a period of growth and I was doing a fair amount of networking in person. I was living in New York at the time and I was doing networking locally in New York. And I met this agency, an agency owner um, who did complimentary stuff. Like, so we did social media and content marketing and influence marketing. And they did web design and some content strategy, uh, but they didn't really have like writers or content creators on staff. And so they brought us, so, you know, I meet the guy and he's a nice guy. And we we're like, yeah, let's stay in touch. And like three weeks later, he comes to me and says, I've got this project. So, so three weeks after you met him. So you didn't know three him weeks, that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three weeks after I met him, right. I just met him once at a networking event. Um, and, but we, you know, exchanged cards. We might've even had like a 15 minute phone call after that. Um, but we, you know, we weren't close by any means. I didn't really know much about him. And so three weeks after I met him, he brought me this project and he said, Hey, I want to pitch this, this company. This is a national, no, it's a global brand, right? Which for me, I'm a relatively small marketing agency. We were sub $500,000 a year at the time. And so I was really excited about the potential to pitch this global brand. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to bring you in as a partner. We can do the web stuff. You can do the social stuff. It's a match made in heaven. Like, let's go. And I was like, awesome. Step back. I don't know where the story is going. I just know it's going to be a horror story. At this point, were there any yellow or red flags that in retrospect you should have realized, but you, but you didn't see at the time? Not yet. And even in retrospect, like at that point, no, I, I don't think that there were. Although I, think I, it was, I, I, I will point out knowing nothing other than what you've told me, just meeting someone and saying, oh, I have a client for you is already a bit weird because anyone who's, who's actually competent and good and more than 22 years old probably knows a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of networks. So why, why are you going to someone you just met? Yeah. So, okay. Now, now with, with your perspective, I think you're probably right. At the same time though, like we, we hit it off, you, hit and, it off right. you know, and, and, you know, it was, 
it was some time ago when there weren't that many people that deep into what I uh, That's true. But, but back then, now there's a whole generation of people that only do social media. Totally, but totally. You're, you're such a trendsetter. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've been working in it for a, since, the, since the very beginning, so for a long time. So, okay. so I kind of get where he was coming from. Like for yeah. him, he probably hadn't had that many. ADHD. That many. Makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Um, and 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 at that time, I'd already had ten years of experience. So this is eight right. or so years ago. I'd right. already had eight or ten years of experience, which was very unusual at the time. Very very unusual. Okay, so interesting. I, yeah, and I had big name clients on my roster from mostly from the agencies I'd worked at previous. But he was able to bring those big name clients to this big name client. Yeah. You know. So exactly. I, from I see. His I see. Point of view. Why Makes it was sense. really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was like, oh, my God, uh, you know, although I'd had big name clients at my previous agencies in my own agency. In your own. Okay. So So it's so exciting. So exciting. Sounds great. And company was in Manhattan, like, you know, easy to get like a lot of my clients were already by then virtual and I had never met them. And I was like, oh, my God, I get to go into an office and pitch this client. That's super cool. So that was kind of fun, too. Okay, great. So so you. Um, so then what happened? So, so we go we, and we, so we pitch and, and I had had a lot of joint ventures by then, like, you know, in the first few years of my agency, that's like the PR people that I knew were bringing me a lot of business and I would jointly pitch with people, but those were people I'd known for a long time, mostly right, like we right, had relationships. Right. And especially as I was just starting out, if they saw an opportunity to help me out and bring me in, they did. And of course I did yes. the reverse. Um, so I had done a lot of joint pitches, but this one was a little different because this agency wanted to be the lead agency and they wanted me to have all of my billing through them. Like they had a relationship with this company previously, which I I think I knew that, that they had like a, they had done some work before. They were already set up in their super complicated global procurement system. And so they were like, well, instead of getting you set up, it'll be faster and easier you bill us and we'll bill the client. I see. So in your previous joint ventures, you bill the client directly without this third person in the middle. Yes, yes. yes. I, I, I also want to point out, not knowing where the story is going, procurement in big companies is a total nightmare. So, oh, yeah. so, I, so it also makes sense why you would agree to that. You're like, oh my God, months of paperwork just to get authorization before right. we could start. So makes it quick and easy. Okay, yeah. okay. We were, we were small at the time, you know, I didn't really have yeah. like somebody to devote to that effort. I just went through a big procurement process with another client. And so like, it was it was weeks and weeks and weeks of somebody like nagging on it, you know? So yeah, so at the time I couldn't have really, I could have, but it would have been hard to do that. So he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're just gonna slide you in. You're gonna build us, we're gonna build them, like all smooth. And it made sense at the time, but in hindsight, that was one of the first red flags, right? Okay. Was we don't, I have learned, I don't ever want to be not the lead agency. That okay. I always want to be the primary agency or the direct agency, even if I'm going in partnership with somebody, I want to be, uh, I'd have my own billing. I want to have my own client contacts, which I did, but you know, I want to have a direct relationship. Right. Um, because I've now been burned and that wasn't the only time. I mean, other smaller yeah. things happened, you know, before it's ends. So, um, so now, and 
know, 11 years into owning my business, I feel completely, utterly confident totally. in being the lead agency, which of course, eight or so years ago, I was not. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the difference. Confidence matters. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so that yellow flag. So, so you agreed to go in under, under his, under his umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. So now we are contracted with this big company and they actually have somebody it turns out not in Manhattan, like we sort of, I didn't really realize this up front, but they have somebody not in Manhattan, this person sitting elsewhere um, in another state and they are the lead person and they're not actually an employee of the company, it turns out. They're like working with this auxiliary part of the company that we're working with as a contractor. So you're basically, your contact that you're working with is another outside contractor. Yes, yes. Who's like embedded in the company full time, yes. but not an employee, doesn't hold a business card from there. Um, right. And they're managing this important initiative, very important initiative from this company, which is what so we've that, been contracted for. Like that's, that's another yellow flag as, yes. as well. Yes. And, and at the time that was immediately, whereas the procurement thing and the billing thing didn't raise a red flag originally, like that right away was a yellow flag where I was like, Huh, wait a minute. So we're so so yes, I had to go into Manhattan a few times here and there, and occasionally he'd come from where he was and meet us in Manhattan, and that was good. But like suddenly I wasn't really working for the company directly. I was working and, for this guy who was amassing the resources to get this initiative going. Right. And and, and I'll point out part of the the risk here, in case anyone watching this doesn't realize why it's risky, is this inevitably creates a great, like it's like the children's game of telephone. So you report to the agency you're working with who's reporting to another outside contractor who's reporting to some lower level person agencies reporting to the higher level person. Like there's already five levels until it actually reaches the decision maker. And like the telephone has to break somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> that wire is getting thinner and thinner, thinner and thinner, and thinner with every <laughs> single person that gets added to the mix, right? Totally. So, and then there's a lot of misconnections, right? There's a lot of dropped calls where, you know, my partner, the lead agency talks to this guy and doesn't loop me in, or this guy talks to the yeah, client totally. and goes back to the, to the partner, right? Like, so I'm only moderately in part of this conversation for some of it, right? So some of it, I'm in the thick of it, but for some of it, I'm like only hearing right, stuff right. second or third. So you know, off right off the bat, like as we start working, like this is clearly like not an ideal situation. So, but miraculously, we get the website off the ground, we get all the copy written, we get everything going that this other agency is primarily delivering. Um, and we were very involved in it and, you know, it looked gorgeous and it worked really well and it, it accomplished all of our objectives. So that was fantastic. And now my team is contracted for social media, influence marketing, blogging, okay. content marketing. So Back then it wasn't even called influencer marketing. Or this, or you're like one of the it, first. Yeah, we were we were work, working with bloggers. That's what it was exactly. Called. Exactly. We were working with bloggers, right? We had to get way, bloggers. It's, it's funny how now, like back then, it was just, oh yeah, I'm going to work with some bloggers. But now there's like a whole title industry category around that. Yeah, now they're creators. We're, we've, been, we've even taken it one step further, right? They were bloggers, then they were influencers. Now they are creators. And now we work with creators. So um, yeah, it's definitely evolved. I, as, as a sign, just because I'm having a fun virtual coffee, it's funny how 
and when you watch old TV, when when people try to watch write or create TV shows or movies now <clears throat> in an old style, you can always tell if it like it's not from the time because you oh it's people use modern vocabularies for things that didn't didn't exist then. So someone writing you, someone in twenty years is gonna do something about in two thousand and we're influencer marketing. Well, people like us will be like, wait a minute, that did exist, but it wasn't called that. It was for many sure. years. We called it blogger relations. Blogger. So yeah, it was a totally different thing. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what? So, so game break game of broken telephone. It's going to break. These meetings started happening with where um, where certain people weren't looped looped in. Then what happened? Yeah. So, you know, while the website's being built and that's a process, you know, that's taken a few months. I can't remember exactly what it was, but while that's happening, you know, our team is setting up, um, you know, what is the social media brand voice and, you know, how, how do we sound? And, you know, we're, we're, this is an initiative that is starting from scratch for this company. So we're yes. like laying all the groundwork for all that. We are interviewing bloggers to get engaged with the brand and getting them set up to start going once the website is launched and the whole the whole initiative launch happens and you know we're creating uh blog content so that it's ready to go and getting ahead of our editorial calendar like we're doing all this normal agency stuff and that part of it was like totally like we know this we can do this it was awesome it worked really well sorry that was my alarm um, it worked really well. So, um, you know, everything was tight and um, we felt really good going into the launch. Okay. So the launch happens, big fanfare, company's excited, everybody's excited. Like we, you know, everybody's happy with what's going on. I noticed that that moment that we're like, the client doesn't see that we Cracker Jack marketing are doing anything, right? The kudos are going to the lead agency. Um. And so like, we're just one more email name on the distribution list. And um, you know, so uh-oh. right off the bat, I see like, oh wait, the client really doesn't know who we are. I mean, they do, but they don't. Right. And you know, so that was sort of another like early, fairly early red flag where I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not crazy about this arrangement, um, but it seemed to be going okay. And the bottom line was we had this amazing launch that we could now talk about and use as a case study and that right. was great. But now the real work begins. And so now for us, now we're really in the thick of it and we're the day-to-day agency, even though we're not the lead agency, now suddenly the rest, you know, so the first three or four months or whatever the website took really did belong to the lead agency. I see. But now tides have shifted. I see. And so for, for, the first the few, for the first few months, you had to do content and marketing and they're building the site. But after the launch, the site's already built. So it's all just you. Right. Here we are. And now it's all us. And so now we're realizing they were too busy when they were working on the website to really get engaged in what we were working on. And then we were delivering and showing to the client and the client was approving, you know, all of our pre-launch communication so that we could be ready for launch. And then after the launch, now suddenly they have time on their hands. And they want to be, they want to continue to be the lead agency. And so now they're starting to insert themselves in our processes and in our content in a way that we did not expect and we did not need. And they're not experts. And um, so they, you know, that was again, like a friction point. That was a friction point. Question, at this point, we're still not knowing where the story is going, do you understand how their billing worked? Like, were they 
marking up your time? Like, were they just being paid, you know, a retainer? So they had extra hours that they needed to kill or was all that invisible to you? Um, my understanding, although it was somewhat invisible, but I mean, I didn't have the full picture, right. but my understanding was we build them X amount as a retainer per month, yes. which included the pre-launch months of creating, a, yes, you know, yes. the launch content and afterwards. So we were billing them. I think we had a startup fee and then some, you know, for the oh. launch and then some monthly retainer. My understanding was that they were doing something similar. They were charging them a fee for the website plus a monthly retainer. And so, they did so, have hours of their own built into that monthly retainer. So it wasn't like they didn't have any hours. Right. Um, so, 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 so basically they had to continue getting their fee. They had to justify doing something. So they're trying to make themselves useful and important. It, it, exactly. Though, had I done this, right. I would have not made any of that transparent to the client, right? The client would have had X amount for the fee. You know, here is the, you know, $20,000 a month fee or whatever it was. And they wouldn't have known how much was me versus the other agency. Ah, so in the way it was set up, the the uh, the client knew that it was this much for. No, I don't know. I don't, don't know, know that. I don't know. know. But but if that were the case, you know, and they were trying to justify, like, why would they do that? You know, and right, that, right, would, right. that would not be how I would have done it. I see. You I know, see. so I don't know where it was coming from that they were like kind of desperate to stay engaged. But of course, they wanted more work from the client. You know, they wanted to stay visible and front and center to the client. Which you know, Make, I would have done the same. I would have wanted to be visible as well. Sense. Makes sense. So, so we we run this project pretty well for you know six months, nine months, maybe even a year. Like like it was a it was like a eighteen month initiative. I think um, it was a you know a side a side initiative from the from the from the uh, company that they on a particular it was a cause thing. So they wanted to market this cause. And um, so we're running it and, and ran it pretty well. And for the most part, it was pretty smooth up until we get farther and farther behind in payments from the lead agency. Uh -oh. So they were just slow pay, right? Like we'd invoice them on the first of the month with payment net 30 and we'd get it on the 35th day or the 40th day. And like, okay, cash flow wise, it's not ideal. But if I know that I can manage it. Right. So right, for right. the first few months after launch, maybe that's how it was, six months, maybe. And then they start to get further and further and further behind. And so now I'm going to them, to the lead agency and saying like, what gives? I mean, I had been doing that somewhat along the way, but now I'm really like, what gives? We can't continue to work like this. I can't afford to, you know, I have costs and staff and all right, this right. devoted to this, right? So, um, so I'm frustrated and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The client is slow to pay. So I can okay. only pay you when the client pays you, when the client pays me. Okay. Like I'll, I'll buy that. Right. Big company, global company, lots going on. I understand that, but I'm starting to feel insecure about how much delayed the payments are coming. Right. And then every now and then I'll get two months of payment at once, you know, like he'll be two months behind and I'll get both of them at once. Again, like it could be like, I've had big companies pay me. It could be that, but I have the feeling that this guy is having cash flow problems and right. he is holding on to my payments to fix his cash flow problems. So, um, so, so two, 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 three, comments on that one, I've personally started putting into my the standard contract and invoice template that if it's 
past net 30, there's like a 5% monthly fine month. Uh, so like, and guess what? <laughs> Any late, late, that solved late payment problems uh, completely. So uh, second thought is, is a question. When you start suspecting exactly cash flow problems, did you ask him directly about that or? Uh... I, I didn't really. I mean, I, I, I more was trying to protect my own in saying like, I just can't keep doing this. Right. But I did not confront him to say like, what gives? Like, you know, is this like, you tell me like what's going on here. Um, and at that point I get this contractor involved, you know, maybe when we're getting to be like 45 days, 60 days past payment, I went to this contractor who's running the project, this other guy who's representing the company and say to him like, I don't know if you see, if you realize what's happening, but I am now out, you know, 45 or 60 days on my payments. I am going to give all of you a deadline by which we have to get whole. Otherwise we can no longer do work. And so this guy says, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so we do that. And Wait, so did he, tell, did he confirm that the company had been late in paying your agency client, the, the big agency? He, he didn't or, know. I mean, he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't. But he was my day-to-day client, you know. He was your day-to-day. So, yes. But I also had no direct channel to accounting to at the company, right. right, to be able to even try to investigate what was going on there and really no say in that matter. No say, yeah. So, you know, like I couldn't march up to their accounting office and say virtually and say like, hey, what gives? I haven't gotten paid because it had nothing to do with them. It nothing only to had to do with, with this other agency. Ooh, yeah. The, this is where the game of telephone is becoming re- really painful. Yes, yes, exactly. And just my lack of connection, right? That I'm one, I'm removed. I'm like, uh, you know, on the shoulder of this other agency and I'm not really in the thick of it. And that's, that's a problem. So I say to my client, you know, to this agency, to this contractor, you know, like, okay, so if we're not paid, if we're not caught up with the two months of payment that are past due, I think we were about two months past due at that time, you know, we're going to give you 15 days. We're going to give this other agency 15 days to get whole, and then we're going to stop work. Well, so of course the other agency pays us one of the two months. Right, right. Right. And says, yeah, don't, don't, don't stop work. Don't stop work. Right. We really like keep going. I, you know, we can't, you know, we can't afford to piss this client off. You know, this initiative is going to run for another six more months. Like, please, please, please don't stop work. Here, here's, here's one month, you know, one month to tide you over. And I'm like, okay. But that's right. also like, it's the worst outcome. Like when they give you everything, go, if they give you nothing, it's over. But, oh, here's some, it gives you just enough hope. Right, right, yeah. right. It's the breadcrumbs, right? I'm just going to lay some breadcrumbs out for you on the table. And- yes. <laughs> You know, live on crumbs for a little while. It will be okay. Um, so yes, we were like Cinderella at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't have the ball gown, you know. We only had like the the, the glimmer of it. So, um, so we continued to work, and then like they were constantly like we were still like one month hanging out there that was not paid, but they were like 15, 30 days late, but they were paying us monthly. But there was still like at least a month outstanding all the time, if not at some point too. And every time I would raise concern, you know, and start to say, here's the new date, we're going to stop working. 
suddenly, miraculously, some money would get thrown at us and we would keep working. Quite a, quite a coincidence. <laughs> yes. yes. So, somewhere in there, I don't know where we were, but, you know, we were getting some money and it didn't feel like a total loss. And this contractor calls me up one day and says, I need to have a really frank conversation with you. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, anytime a client calls up and says that, yeah. you know, like, I don't know about you, Morgan, but for me, like, oh. it goes into my stomach, right? Like, oh, my God. You know, it's, by, by the way, even just, even when the kinds are really happy and things are going great, like the, like a one sentence email, hey, let's talk. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. You, you think the world is ending. <laughs> it's all going to crash down, right? Like, and it's, you know, it's some imposter syndrome, like, oh, my God, I'm not good enough. Like, what's wrong? And, totally, you know, totally. and what have we done wrong? And I know what are they angry about? And you're right. It's not always that they're angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But after, you know, 30, almost 30 years, because I've been doing this as long, maybe not 25 years of working for clients, um, you know, like I still have that pit in my stomach when, when I do get that text or that email, like. Wait, 25 years of working with clients. So you started client work when you were five years old. Yeah, That's, absolutely. You're so, so precocious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I really, gosh, oh my God. I have been working with clients now for 25 years. That's insane. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I have lots of, lots more of these horror stories. Lots more stories. <laughs> So, okay, so so he so the subcontractor calls up says we need to talk. You get you get yeah. the call in your, your pit in your stomach feeling, and then you have the call in. What happens? Right, we have the call, and he's like, you know, I gotta tell you, I see that you're having problems with this other agency, and I hate them. Ooh, and I'm like, okay, what do I do with this information? Like, so I'm so I'm trying to. I don't want to throw them under the bus and be too negative about them. But of course I'm being burned by them right now. Yeah. And I don't understand what value they're bringing. Like needless to say this whole time they've been putting their nose in the middle of my business and they really have no value right now. You know, like I am right. running everything and they're just sort of riding alongside it, picking up a fee. And so I'm resentful. I am angry. I am not getting paid. So I'm even more angry right? This is not a great relationship for me. And suddenly the client calls or the client's person calls and says, yeah, I hate them. I don't like them either. And I'm like, oh my God, now what? So that was really a tough conversation because I kind of had to be like, oh yeah, well, I think they're really bringing value to the table. Like I was very tentative about it because I didn't know how to position my feelings about them to, to this guy. I didn't want to be like the disgruntled partner, you know. Question. I don't know how the story turns out, but a decade later of like, not, of not just experience, but of life agency experience in general, would you have managed that? Had you had that conversation today, would you have taken a different approach? Yes. I would have been transparent and direct. I'm by the way, I'm I'm happy to hear that because my my instinct is is even though we don't want to throw people un, under the bus, there there are cases like this where they are messing up, they are hurting you, the client, 
and and you've tried to solve it in so many ways and there and there's nothing else to do other than shine light on it and make it transparent yes well and so eventually i did that with the client like eventually i did tell the client exactly what was going on i opened my kimono told them you know told them everything that was going on the client knew that the payments were late but i also eventually like maybe 6 weeks after that first conversation went to him and it but it took me some time to sort of politically understand like is it right, the right thing right. is this the wrong thing like what's he really thinking what is his solution does he i mean does he have, his, does he have a solution in mind because i knew what my solution was which was i take it over we kick out this other agency i go through the procurement process and we move forward with this initiative like that would have been my ideal yes. um yes. but the client this you know the client proxy is like so i'm very I dance with him a little bit like, oh, well, you know, they were so instrumental in this setup and, you know, getting our brand look and feel. And it's great to have them involved in vetting the images that we're putting up right. on the blog, you know, like, I'm yeah, like, exactly, you know, trying hard to figure out like where his uh, issues are and like, where do I want to stand? So we danced like that actually for about six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, I did come more direct. I was I was much more direct with him. And I was like, you know, this is really my ideal. I'd much rather go straight to the client and have a relationship with the client and right. not work with this agency. Right. But the client guy is not really the client. The client guy is a contractor and can't really call up and say, hey, we're making a switch here and we want Cracker Jack to be the agency. Right. We're going to let go of this other agency. You know, he's also dancing a fine dance, you know, fine line dance. And the initiative is kind of coming to an end, but it could continue. We don't really know. Like the initial contract of the of the initiative is supposed to end in six months. But the this client proxy wants it to go on and on and on. He thinks it's a really valuable initiative for the comp for the company and thinks that they could get renewed. And of course he wants it to get renewed because that's what he's attached to. Exactly. He's making right? money. Yes. Yes. So this is like again, like because our client wasn't internal, like in hindsight, nobody on this project had the best interest of the company at heart. Because we didn't really have a client champion on the on the on the company side. And so we were all looking at for ourselves. So I think this is a lesson, a good lesson from this story on the other side, that anything a client does, you always need the internal client champion to, to be to be on top of it. And it makes a difference about like internal is technically internal as compared to practically internal. Right, right, a absolutely. And, and since then, we have not done another project like that. Like we have always, always worked directly for the client. Uh, we've often had other agencies that we've worked with or even a contractor that runs the client project, but we've always had, in fact, I had another horror story that happened with, we were contracted with the client and the outside contractor also became hated by the client, but they were only a contractor and they got let go. So that one worked out for us. We can, we can have another episode, another day with, yeah. with the other story. Yeah. So, so, so this story, so after the six weeks, you became clear None of the three of you really like had the best interest of the client in mind. There is no no internal champion. So it was this messy situation. And what happened? Yes. So we really tried to convince this 
contractor that we should go directly to the client. And he really wanted this this other agency, the lead agency out. He was getting super frustrated with it. He was pissed that they weren't paying us because he knew that that put him in jeopardy, right? If we pulled out, he would look terrible. Yes. You know, if all of a sudden social went dark on this whole initiative, all these handles that were being populated every day and all these bloggers that were writing about this initiative, like that would make him look like shit. So we were, so he was in a terrible position. We were in a terrible position and he was getting increasingly more and more angry with this other agency. And so over like the six weeks or whatever it was before I really went to him and said, I got to tell you, I'm also so, so, so angry. And then we kind of had a meeting of the minds. Like we were both really, we both like were really honest with each other about it. And that was great. Right. But we were powerless. We couldn't do anything about it. And so ultimately, uh, we went along for another two months, maybe three months where we were constantly behind. They still owed us two months of payment. We had a new deadline every, every four weeks of like when we're going to stop working and some money would come our way. Not all, not even the whole month. Sometimes they would just throw us like half of a month retainer. And it was super clear to us at that point now that they couldn't afford to pay us. And so we kept going maybe for another couple of months, but we did not get to the end of this agreement because we did eventually have to pull out and just stop servicing the client. And, you know, in the end, because of that, I mean, we knew we were going to lose money. There was no question that we were going to lose money. And it was a question of, do we lose money while continuing to service a client and we're more and more and more in the hole? Or do we cut our losses now? and get out. And so in the end, that's what we did. We cut our losses and we got out and we quit. And it was certainly not my finest moment. It was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made. And one that I feel professionally, like I was not at my professional best by any means, but we were like some 30 or $40,000 in the hole by then. And I never recovered that money. So question, why do you think you weren't at your professional best at that point like it sounds reasonable like a client doesn't pay you for a long time like you quit so yeah it wasn't professional it wasn't the client that wasn't paying me had had the client not paid me and I could have gone to the client the company the big global company and said you but guys are screwing me over but you can't work for you but for for practical purposes your client was was this middleman agency so yes. you're so we'll differentiate between your client was this agency. The end client is the big global company. Right. So, so, so you are acting very professionally in regards to your client. Your client Correct. doesn't pay you, and you and you give him ample opportunity and ample warning. Too much, in fact. Way too much. <laughs> way way too much. So, uh, so it's. Yeah. feeling of oh my god I have this big global client on my roster I'm so proud to be working with them and I am walking away and screwing them right even if they aren't fully aware of it like they're not blaming me they're actually not blaming me they're blaming this other agency right but and, and the contractor they're also blaming the contractor like it was not good for the contractor um, but I still had this knot in my stomach about like I will never go work for this company again because I screwed them over, which you're right. I didn't really screw them over, 
right? I got screwed over by their lead agency that they hired. But it's still this feeling of like, I hate to walk away. I hate to not do a great job. I hate to not, you know, fulfill all of my obligations professionally or of course, personally too. But like, I still had this real feeling of inadequacy around it. Um, But I did everything, like you said, too much to try to, to try to fix it. I think a fact that a lot of people don't appreciate is that for great, what well, often the different the difference between a good professional or a great professional is great professionals often don't do it for the money. Like you want to do a good job. Like there's this pride in creating this pride in ownership. So even when you're being screwed over and are $40,000 in the hole, you want to keep on doing a great job and you, and, and you want, you want to be the good guy. Yeah, and, and we were working with bloggers who were really committed to the project and, and we were paying them. I mean, we had not only my team's costs, but we had their costs also that we were, right. covering, you know, so we, you know, but we had relationships with these bloggers, longstanding relationships that we wanted to, we wanted to keep those relationships active. And, you know, so there was a lot sort of caught up with this project that went directly to our professional credibility. And so, you know, and to me, credibility is, is delivering. And so we wanted to get, and I should mention, I really believed in the initiative, right? I thought the initiative was really, really important for the world. And so, you know, like that was also weighing on me, like, wait, if this goes dark, this message is not getting out there in the, into the world. And I think it's a really good message and I want to see it succeed. So there was some of that too. So yeah, it was a t- really tough thing to walk away. So after you walked away, did you hear how it turned out? Did everything just go dark? Like, like is there a, um, what's it called after, after a story where there's like an addendum? Oh, the post- uh, the, yeah, yeah. Um, the is, post- there, epilogue, po- epilogue. Epilogue. Can't believe I forgot the word epilogue. I'm, you're not the only one getting old here. I'm, I am too. Um, it was. Is there an, an epilogue for uh, for for what happened after you pulled out? Yeah. Well, the epilogue is that we tried and tried and tried to recover the money, and um, got lawyers involved and collections involved, and went through that process. And they kept saying, "We don't have the money. We don't have the money. We're you know we're we're cash poor. We can't pay you." And I looked into I looked into suing them, and you know, because the guy's yes. personal finances were, of course, commingled with his company finances, which is another client horror story or agency horror story to be aware of. Um, so I could have sued him, um, and ultimately realized that it was going to cost me as much money to sue him as I would have recovered, and so it wasn't worth doing. Um, but it took a while, and it certainly took me off other stuff while I was dealing with how do I recover this money? And there was just a lot of time and effort spent in trying to get that money recovered. Um, that like, ultimately I, you know, was a waste because I couldn't get any of it. Um, so yeah, the epilogue is, you know, it took us, it took us a year really to climb out of that hole because we, you know, now had a loss on our balance sheet from, from that client um, and had to make up that loss. So, you know, we, we did it no problem eventually. But the first, you know, that first year was pretty rough because we were we were skating really close to the line on our finances. Makes sense. Any to wrap up, any other 
lessons or things you would have done differently that now you realize in hindsight, we mentioned a whole bunch during the conversation. Any, um, any, any, any others that, 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 that you realize that you realize now or, um, or want to share? Yeah, I think um, really it's hard as a, as a new agency it's, or a smaller agency. You know, we were three years into business, maybe at that time, four years. It's hard when you are starting out to be confident that you can lead a project like this. And so the instinct is to go, go with the flow. Uh, my instinct was, and I think it's true of others that I've spoken to, right? The instinct is to go with the flow to get that big name and do what you need to do and get, you know, notch those wins on the board. Um, but I think that if you have delivered good work to bigger companies, of course, if you've never worked for a bigger company, that's another story. But if you've delivered good work to bigger companies, even at a previous agency, even at a previous gig, you should, like, I would say to any other agency owner, like, feel confident in like going for what you want, right? That you want to be directly contracted, even if it takes you a, you know, a bunch of time to get it figured out. Like, don't compromise your agency integrity to get that client. Um, because that's what we did. We compromised our own agency integrity um, in a way, uh, in many ways, actually, by by being willing to go in on this kind of, you know, less than certain scheme. Um, and, and the other thing related to that is know your partners. Yes. Know your partners. And don't get into bed with somebody that you don't know really, really, really well. That. That makes sense. Um, question: In retrospect, should during the course of the problems with the middleman agency over these months when he when he wasn't paying, is there anything that you think you should have done differently? For example, maybe you should have pulled out earlier, or um, yeah, yeah, we should have pulled out earlier for sure. We should have set a firm deadline and stuck to it, and said like, nope, the payment has to be in full, otherwise we're quitting and not taking the scraps that he was laying on the table of like, oh, we'll give you this partial payment. I also should have gotten an attorney involved much earlier. Ooh, so just a simple lawyer, which would have cost us, cost me a couple hundred dollars from my attorney's time, yeah. would have possibly netted me more uh, income coming in from that, agent, from that agency or would have encouraged me to quit earlier. You know, it's, it's funny. You as someone running an agency, you always tell clients, you need to hire us because we're the professionals. We know exactly what to do. And it's the same thing you to a lawyer. You have a problem with a, with a client. They're not paying you. It's the lawyer that specializes in this who's seen it a hundred times. He knows exactly the letter to write and, right. what, to, and what to say and do or, or tell you how it's likely to turn out to make it easier for you. Yeah, well, and as and and you know, as an agency owner, I am afraid of lawyers a little bit because I'm afraid of the billing, right? I'm afraid that it's going to rack up. I've gone through a trademark um, issue where, like, the bills just piled up and piled up and piled up. So, like, it's terrifying to be like, I'm going to call my lawyer because then you're like, how much is that going to cost me? Oh my god, <laughs> right? But in this case, in, in retrospect, and now I've gone through a couple, not the same, but related kinds of things where my lawyer can spend like an hour or two and they can tell me up front, like, 
I just need to draft this one letter. It's going to take us two hours. Here's the cost of it, right? Unless it goes further that we can control these costs. And now I know enough about lawyers to know that. But at the time I didn't know that really either. And um, so that's also a good, I think, lesson learned for agency owners is like, have a good lawyer that's gonna be straight with you that you can really go to with these problems. And, you know, and they're gonna get on the phone with you for free, for sure. If they're a good lawyer, they will. And, you know, at least assess the problem and then ask them upfront, like how much is this going to cost me? And don't be afraid of asking that. Great, great advice all in. Um, and I think these are wonderful lessons. Thank you for sharing it. And I wish we were uh, easier to be able to do awesome stuff without first having gone through painful experiences, but. <laughs> That's this life, right? That's, we, we live, we live and learn and, um, and every opportunity is a growing experience and um, it's what makes us uh, good at what we do for sure. Great. This has been super fun. Uh, and I think we should schedule another one in a few months with, with the other story you, you hinted at. I can't resist stories like this. I'd love that. I'd love that. And it's always fun to talk to you, Morgan. It's so good to see you. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks so much.